Hey everybody, it's Friday, January 6th, and today on Texas Rangers with the boys. We're going to take questions. We've got a couple of questions that we picked out today that we're going to talk about. I hope you join us to find out what those questions are today on Texas Rangers with the boys. Welcome back to Texas Rangers with the boys, and we are the boys, your daily Texas Rangers podcast by Texans. And in just a short couple of short weeks in Texas, my name is Kevin Frazier. I am the co-host of the show. My name is also YBK, your boy Kev. You can find me on Twitter at Kevin Lee Frazier and Instagram, same handle. Uh, joining me tonight, a guy who was in hibernation um, since the last time that we spoke. Uh, but that's why they call him Bull. Um the 300-pound manimal, a.k.a. Bull. Bull, what does a manimal do upon uh, arising from hibernation, and where can they find you on socials? Well, I wasn't completely hibernated. I just was, uh, uh, you know, it was Friday, and I didn't have nothing to do kind of hibernation. Um, but uh, I'm up now. I'm ready to go. We're going to do a... We're going to do a special question edition of the podcast today, and I'm excited about that. Um, we'll be able to talk about a couple of different topics, whereas we've been sticking to starting pitching the rest of the week. And uh, I think everybody's had their fill on the great Matt Broski. Yes. Uh, yes. So, um, did you like that I found a picture of Matt Broski? I did. I thought that the, was really yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't find his his handles on on the on the instant uh, on the instant out out there on the line gram. Okay, but okay. Uh, I did find a nice picture of Matt Broski, and and I may have to we may make a Texas Rangers with the boys type page just to put that picture of Matt Broski on there. Yeah, we could make we could make a little special graphic uh, and for it, the Broski. And, even though I couldn't find Matt Broski's social media handles, I do know mine. Ah, oh. You can find me on Twitter at Manimal Bull, Instagram at Manimal 300, at Bull Pro on TikTok. I'm trying to find the hip music, man. I'm in, <laughs> I don't know. I, all the music I like, people are like, ooh, ooh, ooh that guy's, that guy's oh. terrible at music. Who wants to listen I, to Bob Seeger? Oh, not me. Yeah, not me. <laughs> not me. Oh, and I mean, as you know. Yeah, we know. I am also <laughs> on the Facebook. The Facebook. Like, I feel like that it's like, it should be in like uh, quotation marks too. Like okay. the Facebook. The Facebook. At Bull Pro. Yeah. And if you want, if you want to be my friend on there. You can, uh, you can, and um, <laughs> uh, I'll. Good luck to you with that. <laughs> well, yeah. What else can I say? As you mentioned earlier today, uh, we are kind of doing a little bit of a special edition. It may be kind of be, may, it might become a Friday thing, uh, especially when there's not a whole lot going on. Uh, so basically, what we did is we kind of put together some. Uh, questions that that we kind of had and we figured that you know our listeners probably have the same questions and they're relevant to the team 
relevant to the team. And if you have questions that you'd like for us to cover on the show, uh, you can definitely add us on Twitter and, and put those questions out there and we will definitely answer them. Um, and I think right now the big question uh, that we kind of mold over the most and, and really come to a really interesting conclusion is, is this the best staff, at least on paper right now, that the Texas Rangers have ever had, the best starting pitching staff that they have ever had? Well, you know, uh, when we were off air and we were talking about this and we were talking about the good staffs that that we thought about, I mean, the best staffs that we could think about, there were three eras, right? There was yeah. the, the 2009 to 2016 era with, with the playoff run there. Yeah. There was the 94 to 99 era, which gosh, looking back at that, that wasn't really that good. Right. I mean, (laughs) there was a lot more good in Juan Gonzalez, Pudge Rodriguez, Rafi Palmero, Will Clark, all the guys that were hitters here, Dean Palmer, all them dudes smashed. And that's why they won games. So that's, I think that's, uh, and then the other era that we could think of would be like the Fergie Jenkins, Doyle Alexander. Yeah. Um, era, David Clyde, even. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, we looking back at those eras, uh, they had guys that were good. There were guys yeah. on those teams that were good. Uh, Fergie Jenkins was a, a monster here. Yeah, well, well, why don't we do this? Uh, why don't we do this? Let's let's take a trip down memory lane. We picked up, we kind of we kind of came up with three different staffs. Let's talk about those staffs, and then at the end of that, let's from that point let let's let our then we can give our verdict if we think this is the best staff ever. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I think I might have just given the verdict away. Well, no, you know, nobody knows. <laughs> haven't said it yet. But I think the best staff we found from the 70s um, was 19, 19, actually 77. Okay, 1977, sorry. it's okay. 1977, we had Gaylord Perry winning 15 games, throwing 238 innings, striking out 177 batters. You had Doyle Alexander winning 17 games over 237 innings, striking out hardly anybody. Uh, and then, believe it or not, he was a Ranger. Burt Blylevin, starting four, winning 14 games, having a 272 ERA, throwing 234 innings and 182 strikeouts. Um, and then they had a pretty good couple of guys, uh, other pitchers, a guy named Doc Ellis had a 290 ERA, and another guy, Adrian Devine, coming out of the bullpen uh, with a 358 ERA. Saves weren't as big, of, weren't the same as they are now. They kind of had saved by committee back then, and yeah. they had a pretty they had a pretty good bullpen. I mean, only one guy had over had a, had an ERA in uh, in the fours. Everybody else was threes and below. So heck of a staff, uh, a lot to to like there. Um, and they finished second in the AL West. And you made a great point. They won ninety four games that year, and you had made a great point that you know it was a lot harder to get into the playoffs back then. Yeah, it was. I mean, the, uh, the you had the, the they you said 94 games, 94 games yes. would have, uh I I don't know that I mean the Astros probably won more than 94 games, but I know the Phillies didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, check they played this out. the World Series last year, so uh, yeah, it was a little tougher to get into the 
Heck yeah, the, man. The playoffs. Well, and check this out. This was where our actual the, the logo for our show, this is when they actually used that logo. And they were playing in the original Arlington Stadium. Yeah, yeah. That well yep. you know, that that'll be the probably the last team that we talk about that'll that played in the Arlington Stadium. Um because the other teams probably opened up this the newer stadium or the 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 middle stadium, right? The middle child yeah. now, the ballpark yes, at yes, Arlington. The, yeah, it's like and the probably the... of <laughs> Well, it's like the all-time favorite too, you know, like, and we went through some other staffs. I mean, I think uh, Fergie Jenkins was kind of just a man among boys with the staffs that he was on. He was kind of the only really good pitcher that they had. Um, but the next good staff that we found, uh, 1993, uh, they finished second in the AL West. Uh, wasn't their glory years of the 90s, but those well, staffs. This would have was... still been at Arlington Stadium. Yep, still in Arlington Stadium. And interestingly enough, like the staffs during the 90s teams that actually won the division, you know, were not that impressive. Um, but this staff, no. this staff was impressive. And had they been able to maybe just keep this staff together, well, no, all these guys were coming into their prime, uh, some of these guys, I, I think this team could have really done some damage. I think that was the year, though, that Nolan got hurt. He probably. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when he left the field in Seattle that one year. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. I'd, um, but yeah, Kevin Brown was on that staff. Yes. Kevin Brown to yeah. me is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So it's he had, weird to me that he isn't thought of as more of a surefire Hall of Famer. I, I don't even get it because he was really the nastiest, dom- most dominant pitcher for a good period of time while he was playing. And, in, in... Go ahead. And he has the stupid high smart mark numbers too, you know, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. his, he's got a high war and a FIP and all those numbers that, that they like are all really good. It's, it's weird mm-hmm. to me that Kevin Brown, I mean, I don't even think he's stuck on the, the uh, um, list, you know, like I don't think he even got 5% to stay on. Well, look at the era, just that he pitched through, the late nineties, uh, during the, you know, the, the, the juice, the juiced body area, not the, juice, not the juice ball era, but late eighties, uh, late nineties. So he pitched through an era where it was a hitting, you know, hitting was a big deal. He won 211 games and finished with two earned run T two ERA titles finished with a lifetime earned run average of 328, made six all-star games and he finished Wait. runner up Cy Young, uh, in 96. What year was that, 98, that he was with the Phillies, that he, like, single-handedly took that team, him and Ken Caminetti kind of, like, single-handedly took that thing to the World Series? Was it the – We you're talking about the Padres. The Padres, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh. 90, 98, 18-7. They they 238 into, earned run average. They ran into a pretty good Yankees team in the World Series, but, I mean, Caminetti and, and – uh, Kevin Brown basically willed that thing to a World Series, you know, like they right. weren't they weren't the best. And you know who was the manager of that team? Hmm. The great Bruce Bochy. Yes, sir. Bruce Bochy so, was the manager of look at that. We brought it full circle. All the way around. Yeah, but Kevin Brown Kevin Brown to me is a Hall of Famer. I don't know why there was even a question of that. Like mm-hmm. like if I have to be forced to be told all the time that Scott Rowland is a Hall of Famer, 
Right. Then I can force down people's throat that Kevin Brown is a Hall of Famer and should have been a first ballot. Well, I'm certainly not going to argue with you because I agree. Other guys on that staff, we had Kenny Rogers, who was also four time All Star. And in his know, prime, Kenny Rogers, dude, that guy hung around and was a good pitcher in the major leagues for a ton of years. Yeah, he had a long career, but great pitcher, All Star player, great, great here at Texas in the bullpen and as a starting pitcher. But this time he was just kind of getting his feet under him as a starting pitcher. Roger Pavlik, who is kind of a Texas known guy, uh, had Pavlik. the best. Pavlik had the best ERA on the team at three forty three forty one that year. There were a couple of years. I mean, Roger Pavlik was a good pitcher here. I, I don't know if a lot of people know him nationwide, like mm-hmm. like you know, but he had a lot of good years here. I mean, he remind he was one of those guys. I mean, he wasn't like a a junker baller either. He had a good fastball and and it played he well the, in the he had big the Vulcan. leagues. Yeah, the yeah, Vulcan pitch the or something like splitter. that. Yeah. I, or of... he may have even thrown a fork ball or something like that. You know, he was he uh but he was a good pitcher here. He was he was yeah. not a he was not a bum. He was not you know, he was he wasn't one of those, you know, Brian Bohannons or or something like that in here. No. He was not a bum. Speaking... He was speaking of Bohannon, he snuck somehow found his way onto the staff and found another found as only he can do, found a way to have a five earned run average. Oh yeah, um, no, it wasn't hard. Yeah. He just went out to the mound and threw his best yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then you also had on that staff rounding it out. You talked about Nolan, who was and Charlie Liebrand pitched 150 innings as the kind of the fifth starter, and then the closer was Tom Hankey, who had a really good year that year. I, I went to these some of these games. Yeah. And this no, was a that, pretty good team. I mean, obviously, offensively, they were. This would I mean, have been, yeah, like one of the first couple of years that I started paying attention to the Rangers, even though I wasn't living here yet. Yeah, amazing, amazing offensive team. I mean, yeah, you know, Franco, yeah, Gonzalez, Palmer, you know, Palmero, Pudger, yeah, just can't can't even. And then you have to go for it. And again, it looks like you got to go forward again now to get to probably the next, and I'm going to say kind of back-to-back years, which was the 2010, and these are – you know, the best years the Rangers have ever had as a franchise, um, 2010, 2011. We'll uh, see, and it, it just keeps getting easier and easier to circle back to this year because uh-huh. those were the years that Mike Maddox was here the first time around. Yeah. The, and, and, you know, that was back whenever they still made the excuse that they pitched outside in the heat during – I mean – you know how invalid that excuse is, is that we're going to talk about the 2011 second best pitching staff that this place or the best before this year. Mm-hmm. And that was the hottest year in the history of Texas. Which is probably one of the hottest years just in the history of life because Texas yeah, is super hot. It was. It was that, if you remember correctly, we were on the road quite a bit um, to get out of Texas. I remember that summer. <laughs> we, we hit a lot of shows that uh, yes. were north of here that summer. But uh, we broke a record for most times hitting 100 degrees in a summer that year. And I remember it wasn't just 100 a lot of those days. It was like 106, 107 
yeah. a lot of days. And so I remember that being one of the hottest summers. But that excuse doesn't matter anymore anyway, no. because they play every night at 74 degrees now. Well, and let's talk about these stats. We had C.J. Wilson, Colby Lewis, Scott Feldman, Tommy Hunter, Cliff Lee, and Rich Harden. Uh, definitely a loaded pitching staff. A lot of guys that could throw some innings there. Cliff Lee, probably the greatest Ranger in, in Texas, greatest pitcher in Rangers history. And then Neftali Feliz coming out of the bullpen, dealing with 40 saves. And, of course, you have Darren O'Day with a two-flat two earned run average. Darren Oliver with a 248. Frankie Francisco at a 3.76. And let's not forget Alexi Ogando with his 1.3 earned run average. The bullpen, literally the best bullpen easily the Rangers have probably ever had. Um, yeah, I'd say that um, that's probably the best staff. And, you know, you wouldn't think that that is being the best staff or the best era of Rangers pitching, but it kind of was. Yeah, the numbers uh, don't not lie. Not a ton of big stars. I mean, and it continued. Like, I mean, they had pretty good staffs all the way up till 15 whenever um, yeah. um, Maddox left. And then I th- I don't think that uh, – I, I think they had good staffs with Bannister. Um, you know, they just kind of – I still feel like after 16 they wasted. They wasted years that they shouldn't have wasted. But let's go here, look at 11 too, because, again, I think, I think we kind of came to the conclusion that 11 is probably the best year because they had four starting pitchers with 185 innings or more, and Ogando had 170. But their starting pitching was C.J. Wilson with 220 innings and a 294 ERA. Colby Lewis got 200 innings at a 4-4 clip. Darren Holland was under four with 198 innings. And then Matt Harrison, a very underrated uh, Texas Ranger pitcher, with a 339 earned run average, 185 innings. And the bullpen was really just as good. Feliz had 32 saves, a 270 ERA. Darren Oliver was awesome with a 229 ERA. A little bit lighter after he got past those guys. But starting pitching wise, uh, this was probably the best staff the Rangers have ever had. And that brings us to the question and the answer to that question of is this, if everything goes, everybody stays healthy, is this the best pitching staff the Texas Rangers have ever had with Jake DeGrom? Two lefties in Martin Perez and Andrew Heaney, John Gray and Nathan Eovaldi. I think we I think you have your answer, Bull. Man, I mean, if it stays healthy, it, it has a real chance to be the best staff that they've ever had. And it has a real chance to be um, you know, stick. You know, like it has a chance to stick. They have an opportunity if they want to to give Martin Perez years after this year. Um, if not, you know, they, they like the prospects that they've got coming behind them. So, yeah. you know, I, I I think, yeah, I think this is like, I mean, the it's it's the best staff that I've ever seen yeah. them have. Yeah. Um, value-wise, name value-wise, pitch value-wise. But again, you know, Eovaldi's had questionable years. Martin yep. Perez has had questionable years. John Gray's had questionable years. Um, yep. DeGrom has, uh, yeah, DeGrom has uh, injury issues. Andrew Heaney has injury issues. So, you know, there's a lot of question marks and there's a lot of what ifs and got a lot of things that have to go right. 
but um, I don't see why it couldn't be. And if a lot of those things do go right and you don't see them have to work all the way down to like, say, um, uh, Zach Kent or Jack Leiter, as far as pitchers that they have to use this year, I mean, I think it's in a good direction. And I think that, uh, like we said, I think some of these young guys that were starters, you know, um, whereas they don't, um, they may not uh, pan out in the rotation and work their way to the bullpen and then help the staff even more by being a, a guy deep in that bullpen that can get outs. Right. So I think we both agree this is the best staff on paper the Rangers have ever had uh, super deep. And one other kind of final point before we move on uh, to our next segment, uh, you know, it's not just a good staff at this level, but we've talked all week about how deep this farm system is. And a lot of these guys that are in the, that are right now at triple a and at double a on a lot of teams, those guys would probably be starting making their major league debuts this year uh, because they don't have the pitching that the Rangers do uh, at the major league level. So again, a lot of options for the Rangers, if injuries happen, a lot of excitement, a lot of depth, and I don't think they're going to be running out of pitching anytime soon this year. So super exciting. Um, and so next we're going to go to our next question, but before we do that, why don't we give a big shout out to our sponsor? That yeah. Is, uh, yeah. Texas rough house wrestling. January Texas Roughhouse professional wrestling. Go, January go ahead. You're, you're ready to go. 13th, January 13th at the South side preservation hall, Texas rough house joins up with Matt war pro to bring you, uh, a, big time wrestling event at the Southside Preservation Hall in Fort Worth. And uh, since we're doing this advertising next week, the whole week, I will be giving away the address. I will write it down on a piece of paper. So I have it, but a huge show, the, the main event, uh, one of the kids that, uh, one of the guys that I trained, uh, Dame, Damo McCullough, big Damo McCullough. He's a uh, wrestling, uh, Brent McKenzie in the main event, which uh, should be a, a fine heavyweight brawl. Right. A lot of, a lot of beef going to be in the ring that night. So yeah, again, go, uh, go check out Texas rough house on Texas also, rough house wrestling. On from Facebook. what I hear, from what I okay. hear, there's going to be a free Martin house beer all night. Oh boy. Free oh boy. Get Martin at wall supplies last. And uh, wow. and our good friend uh, Jamie Holly will be out there uh, oh. serving the beer that night. He's not. Okay. He's, he said uh, he's taking the night off of wrestling to serve beer, and so tip out Jamie Holly while you're there. Well, Jamie's a good buddy of the show, and and probably will be on at some point or another, at one point, to give us a hard time, or maybe not. Um, Someday. So- <laughs> That when we get rim. this all figured rim. out, you know. That was a rim. That was a rim. Yeah. But um, so let's move on to, I feel like maybe the question I really want to ask, I, we had a few questions here, but the one that talk worthy that we haven't really exhausted too much. And that is who's going to lead it. Who's going to lead off uh, for this team. And uh, I, I mean, I think there's an obvious answer, but I also think that, there's, there's, it, it's not just slam shut. It, it may not be the best thing. Um, and I think the obvious answer being Marcus Simeon, right? Yeah, probably, probably so. I think that he'll probably, uh, 
um, for sure break camp with that. But, um, you know, as, as the season goes on and we find out maybe more about these left fielders, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, and by that I mean, you know, kind of a platoon of Zeke Duran and Josh Smith and um, Bubba Thompson. There's a lot of there's a lot of good qualities about those three guys that uh, might might lead them into the uh, leadoff spot earlier in the year. Maybe to get Simeon down in the order a little bit more to drive runs in. But uh, for the most part, I would say. You know, it's about 90% that it's going to be Simeon most of the year. And uh, we'll just kind of follow that story as we go on. Yeah, well, I mean, if it's not, and again, I think that's more of what this question is, is more of the provocative side of the question, because I think the obvious answer would be Simeon. But if it's not Simeon, then who, who is it? Who would it be? Who would they put in that leadoff spot to push Simeon down the order a little bit so that, he may be able to have the opportunity to drive in some runs. Well, who do you, you know, who do you I, think? I think I can, I can uh, break it down a little bit more by who it won't be. Okay. Because I, I don't think it'll be Jonah Heim or Mitch Garver. And I okay. don't think it'll be Nathaniel Lowe. Okay. I can agree with that. And I doubt with, all serious, you know, uh, with all seriousness, that it will be Corey Seager or Josh Young. Okay, I think both of those guys, Corey Seager, I, I, I like him in the three hole, but some people like him in the two hole. I, I know that teams like to put their best hitter in the two hole, and I mean, I have to agree that he's their best hitter. So yeah. I would definitely rule him out, and I also think that I would rule Adolis Garcia out because he hits so much better with the runners in scoring position. Yeah. <clears throat> so that leaves you kind of with Leody Tavares, who I wouldn't rule out a hundred percent because he's a fast guy that can get on base and steal bases. I wouldn't okay. rule Bubba Thompson out because he's a guy that, you know, if he can get on at a 350 clip, he he's really dangerous on the base pads. And I mean, if he can get on at that kind of regularity, I mean, he's going to play left field probably for this thing. And and he could lead off, but, but that's a real what if. Um, Josh Smith has, a, uh, you know, we've talked about the upside of his last season, even though he had a lot of uh, bumps in the road and growing, you know, he still had a 100 point higher on base percentage than he did batting average. So that's a, a, you know, something they look at. Um, And then you've got Ezekiel Duran who might be somewhere around there. Um, And he's another guy that uh, he'd he'd have to do some stuff first in order to get into that position. But I kind of think of him as more of a lower in the order um, mop up slugger you know what i'm saying like that kind of you know he's like probably hits behind young or or time and you know mop up duty on people that are on base and and you know making his own offense when there's not well i Um, I definitely think and uh one more guy that it definitely isn't is brad miller because he kind of they started him uh, I mean, think about oh. this, though. He led off the season last year with a home run. 
Oh yeah, I remember. I remember. Yeah. So how how far is he? You know, how far is he fallen? Well, he was never that high to begin with, is my opinion. But yeah. so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a hot take. I'm gonna give you a hot take and then we're gonna get out of here. All right. My hot take. Ranger the Texas Rangers leadoff hitter that that, that the person they want to be their leadoff hitter. I'm going that Simeon this year, it's closed door. If Simeon takes a rest, it'll be Josh Smith. But I'm gonna go with that for this year. But next year. Next year. I think who the Rangers want to be their leadoff hitter. And that's going to be one of our top rated prospects. The guy with the last uh, name of. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. All Aaron, right. Aaron, Aaron Zavala. I'm going to, I'm going to say Aaron Zavala is going to get every chance in the world to break camp with this team next year. And be their leadoff hitter because the guy's going to well, get now on remember, at a four at a four hundred clip this year. Remember, it's probably going to be May before he can play in the outfield, so he would have to do it from a DH role early in the year because of the Tom Tommy John. So that may actually work out pretty good where they give uh, Bubba Thompson, uh, Zeke Duran, and Josh Smith a chance to really win that position, and then if they don't. Yeah, you may be right, but uh, it may be after the All-Star break, and it may also be 2023 but uh, or 2024. That, that, no, I'm calling for um, next year. Yeah, no, next I know year. you are. This I know year, you are. I next, just said year, where. next year, that's who I got. Okay, all right. So, yeah, I like that. I think I don't, I don't disagree, and um, it might also be Evan Carter because I, mean, I think both those guys are really oh, toolsy man. players that are going to uh, be big league players and – you know, we'll just see, and and you know that may that may move. You know, Carter may play center field if Tavares doesn't get his together to to uh, to take that position, and um, Zavala may play left field, and 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 we may be looking at Garcia, Zavala, and Carter next year as the Rangers in twenty twenty four. Hey, I. Like I said, I've been so hyped looking at these rookie or looking at this uh, farm league farm system for this team. So uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of good stuff coming in the future for the Texas Rangers, and a lot of good stuff coming in the future for our weekend that we are about to kick off. Um, let's take it in for a landing. Lots of fun today on the show. Uh, really more than anything, just talking baseball with you, buddy. So um, anything you want yeah, to say to yeah. people before we head I- out of here? I enjoyed it as always. Um, have a great weekend. I hope you had a tremendous first week of the year. Um, there's nothing quite like starting a new year just right. And uh, and like we said, the reason we started the podcast when we did was because, you know, 2023 was right around the corner and now we're here and now we're just about a month off of spring training and there's nothing to there's nothing going to be more exciting than that first day that we get to read a Rangers spring training box score on the air and uh, and get to talk about what the young guys did and and even find those box scores for the young, the rookies and the prospects and stuff like that. And, and uh, so I'm just excited about the season getting here and it can't get here fast enough. And, and uh, you know, love talking baseball with you and uh, we'll, uh, We'll, I'll let you finish this thing off here. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, thanks again, everybody, for listening. 
This is Texas Rangers with the boys. We are the boys. Our only daily Texas Rangers show by Texans. Uh, and we are signing out.